who speak 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 to me speak through me um I had the privilege this week of spending a week, um, or not a week, three days I spent with them up at uh, YWAM. Um, for those of you that were here last week, we had some of the... YWAM is uh, short for Youth with a Mission. It's an international missions agency, and we have strong connections with them. We spent 12 years in, uh, in Youth with a Mission in various locations. Um, I know Pete and Cheryl have spent some time with YWAM as well. So there's a bit of a YWAM connection here. And um, Dave Niebling, who is the director of Youth with a Mission in Brisbane, uh, also is the same person who came and did the Strength Finder training for us a few weeks ago, for those of you that were there, down in Ballina. Dave's a great guy, and what they're doing in Brisbane is pretty amazing. Um, they're sending outreach teams all over the world. Uh, they've got a coffee shop uh, uh, on base now in Brisbane. There's a coffee shop that's open to the community, and they have students that go on in and they use it as a bit of an outreach to the community. They're, every Wednesday, there's a big sign. If you ever drive down Sanford Road towards Mitchelton, there's a big uh, park, and you'll see a big sign on the park that the council have, have let them put there permanently. It says, free barbecue every Wednesday. Youth of the Mission run a barbecue, and all the students come down, and they set up sporting things and play sport with all the local kids in the community. And uh, It's a real outreach. Um, they've just built this big multi-auditorium uh, uh, on base because he just Dave's a very much a visionary person and he had a big piece of grass. So what can we do there? Let's build a big hall where people can meet and hang out and worship Jesus. So a uh, Chinese businessman uh, felt led of God to give them $200,000 towards that project, which is pretty amazing. And they built it and I was down there and I was having a bit of a look and me and Dave have been, we're really good mates and we've been communicating for the last six months with each other about our building projects. It's turned into a bit of a race and I think I'm going to beat him. I said, Dave, I think I've got you. That's all that matters, you know. He said, do you want me to tell you what we're up to with the building? I said, no. When are you going to be finished? That's all I care about. Okay, we're going to beat you now. Tell me about your building. Okay. And uh, so he's got this big auditorium there. We were, we were um, chatting. We went out on um, Thursday night together, just me and Dave, and we were talking. And he was saying to me how I've got this huge auditorium here. And he said, um, what I really want is, he said, I would love to start a church here. He said, I want a church. He said, do you know anyone that wants to start a church in Mitchelton? He said, I'll give them use of this auditorium with the sound, everything free of charge. I'm going to charge them nothing. I just want to see people in here worshipping the Lord and, and lives changed and so on and impacting in the community. And I was really inspired by uh, chatting with him. It's, uh, it's always exciting to get around him. Dave and Youth with Mission Brisbane have actually even given us uh, probably, I think, nearly $3,000 towards our building, which is pretty amazing considering they're a couple of hours up the road. They have no direct involvement with this here, but they uh, are impressed with what's happening here. The few people that have come down to the church have loved uh, mixing with the people in the church and feel there's a very much a genuine connection with God, genuine connection with each other and a real passion and heart to want to uh, not do church but be church, not just uh, hang around each other and uh, form our little club uh, but to be around each other, encourage one another, empower one another, stir one another on and then kick each other in the backside saying, now let's get out there in the world and let's make an impact, let's do something. And I believe that building that we've got there, that's, that's part of the big picture of what God has for us. The building itself is a building. It bricks, it's mortar. It's got no more supernatural spiritual power built into that place than there is built into this place. Okay? It's the people that carry the presence of God. It's the people that make the difference. And when we get up there, um, I'm already in my brain dreaming and scheming and usually my, my brain runs about 
four, four or five kilometres ahead of God. Uh, my visions, I feel like my visions are always bigger than his. Sometimes I have conversations with God and say, God, you're not big enough. You know? Uh, but, but he is. He looks down at me and goes, no, you, you're just not quite up there with me yet. So uh, who are you going to back yourself or me? And it's like, okay, I surrender. You're going to, whatever. Who do you think you are, God? <laughs> yep. Okay. Who do you think you are? I'm Big Al. I don't say that to God. <laughs> but I was up there this week and I spent uh, time with them. They asked me to come on up and speak about the Holy Spirit for three days with the students. It was week, they have a 12-week lecture phase and they were in week 11, I think it was, about a week to go. When I got there, and as soon as I walked out, I had over 100, probably about 120 young people. Now, when I say young people, from about 18 through to about 30 from all nations, all over the world, all backgrounds, all denominations as in church experience, but all countries as well. There were Asians, there were Europeans, Americans. Uh, uh, probably, I think there was only two or three Australians there. Um, the rest were all over the place. And as I got up to speak, I could feel straight away the walls that were there. Because there are some topics that we speak about. I know for myself, anyway, I go to a lot of the YWAM schools and do teaching. And there are a couple of topics that uh, any, anybody involved in YWAM will tell you that there are a few topics there where the walls go up because of erroneous teachings people have heard before, experiences they may have had and so on. And I knew that this was going to be one of those times. And when I got there, straight away, whoosh, all these walls went up everywhere. And I just said to them, look, I just want to put you all at ease and tell you straight away, here's the thing. I'm not going to come and say if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. I don't know what you think, but I'm not going to, I don't believe that. And I'm not going to say that to you. Um, and I went through biblically and, and over the few days taught them why I don't believe that that's, a, that's actually true. Um, there are many more manifestations of the Holy Spirit through our lives than just that one thing. Uh, so we had a bit of a look at that. But I also said to them, look, we're not going to be swinging off the chandeliers. I'm not going to undress and dance on the table naked or anything like that, you know. Because we've had weird experiences with the Holy Spirit. I know we have. Come on. I remember when me and Jackie first got married and we moved up to Bundaberg. Uh, we got married in, in youth with a mission. We moved down to, uh, up to Bundaberg. And, and I just wanted to get around some Christians and get some good teaching and so on. I remember the first meeting I went to was a meeting of uh, an organization called Christian Businessmen's Committee. And CBMC, they're a great organization. I'm not bagging them. They're wonderful. But the first meeting I went to was there. And I, I, they met in there. I should have known straight away. There's a place called um, Baldwin Swamp, wasn't it called? Bald, you know, is it Baldwin Swamp or Baldwin Swamp? Baldwin Swamp, I think it's called. I should have known straight away. Anyone meeting in Baldwin Swamp, this is going to be weird, you know. But anyway, I was stupid enough and naive enough to go along. So I trudge along to Baldwin Swamp one night, and there's literally swamp everywhere with a little shack in the middle of the swamp. And, uh, but I was so hungry for God, I just thought, I'm going in here. And I went in there. And the meeting's going on, and the guy's up, and he's a really charismatic guy, and he's going and spits flying, and he's... Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> In the end, he said, who would like prayer? And of course, I'm hungry for God. So anytime there's an opportunity for prayer, I just would always go up. Just pray for me. I don't know. God, God might do something. Amen? He might do something. So I put myself in those positions. When I, when I, I don't do it so much anymore because of my foot, but when I used to surf when I was younger, you, you know, you have to paddle to a certain place. You've got to get yourself in the right position for the wave to pick you up and go. You've got to position yourself in the right spot. You can be sitting out the back all day in the wrong spot. Everybody else is getting waves, and you can be angry and critical of them because they're getting waves. Well, hang on. Maybe you're just sitting in the wrong spot. Maybe you're not in the right position to catch the wave. Don't get mad at them. Why don't you paddle over and join them? Amen? Why don't you get yourself in the right position so when the wave comes, you can get picked up as well? That's a side issue. I can't stand people that sit in churches and criticize. And, you know, if, if, if this church, if there's not a wave here picking you up and taking you somewhere, find another church. 
because there are plenty of churches doing wonderful things. Find a place that's going to pick you up with the wave and move you forward. Don't sit there, get bitter, twisted, angry at God, angry at the church, angry. Just find somewhere that's going to take you somewhere in the Lord. Amen? Um, and I'm not saying that because there's anybody here like that. I, I, I believe that you know, we're all here because we're meant to be here and, and you feel something. Otherwise, you're really silly for turning up if you don't. Okay? Find somewhere that's going to fire your passion, get you pumped up for God. That's, that's, that's my prayer for you. Um, and so anyway... I went down, uh, forward and they're praying for me. While they're praying for me, this guy, he goes to me, do you speak in tongues? He got down in my face like, do you speak in tongues, little boy? He didn't say little boy, I just add that for dramatics. But he did get down in my face, do you speak in tongues? And for those of you that don't understand what that is, uh, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God indwells us as believers. And that Spirit, when he indwells us, there are certain attributes that he has, abilities that he has, and, and he flows those through humanity. God uses people to bring an expression of himself to planet Earth. God is not like Casper the Friendly Ghost, just some force out there, you know, like Star Wars, use the force. Woo! No, God chose to inhabit people through his Spirit, and those people are called Christians. And we go about our daily lives carrying the presence of God with us. And so he gets down, he goes, do you speak in tongues? And I, I answered him and, and, and said, well, actually, yeah, I do in my private time with the Lord. I, 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 I can. He said, well, do it. And I thought, okay, I don't want to rock the apple cart. I've just moved to Bundaberg. I don't know anybody here. So I just quietly under my breath. And he got down. He went, what? What are you saying? And then he stood up and said to everybody in the group, I... Does he really expect God to be able to hear that? And everybody laughed like that was a funny joke. I've even thought about it since and thought, I don't think that's a funny joke. I don't even get it. Even as a joke, why is that funny? Oh, he's speaking softly. Can anyone hear him? I've never seen a comedian do that on stage ever. But this guy thought it'd be really funny to do that to me, and he did it. And of course, everybody laughed and mocked me and made fun of me. And as a result, I never went back to Baldwin Swamp ever again. Um, But I just wanted to tell these people that when I start to speak to you about the Holy Spirit, that... Please don't think that it means we've got to go to some weird, dangerous, strange place because it doesn't mean that. Okay, The Holy Spirit, if we actually believe what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is a comforter. There's no comfort in humiliation. There's no comfort in, in exposing you to the world just to shame you. There's no comfort in shame. There's no comfort in, in, in a whole bunch of things that people attach the Spirit of God to. He's a comforter. He's a guide. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John uh, 14 that, that I'm going to send you another helper. That word another in the Greek is the Greek word elos. It literally meant Jesus was saying, I'm going to send you another uh, a, a substance exactly the same as me, of the exact same nature and character as me. Okay? Now, Jesus didn't go about doing weird, flaky, freaky things and, 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 and trying to deliberately you know, upset the apple cart. And he didn't go out there trying to make religious people nervous. He just did because religious people got nervous with the life that he had in God. Okay? But he wasn't out there to try to make people cringe and so on. And I see so many people today, and they're trying to, it's like the more reaction, the more negative reaction you get, they notch it up as, well, Jesus got persecuted too, and so am I. And so it's like, no, no, you're just being an idiot. You're just being an idiot. And so when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I just wanted to let them know that, you know, you, you, you let your walls down because the Spirit of God is, is, is gentle. The Spirit of God is the vehicle through by which God displays his attributes and his power to mankind. Today, that's what Jesus taught. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 16, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And when you think about that, what an amazing statement. I mean, how many times have you ever wondered, wouldn't it have been amazing to physically walk around with Jesus Christ when he was here on earth? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, I can imagine the disciples thinking, how can it get any better than this? Seriously, I mean, lepers, blinded eyes being opened, the dead being raised. We watch the tomb going, Lazarus, I mean, how can it get any better than that? And then Jesus breaks into the world and he says, I've got something for you, boys. I've got something even better. 
It's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper won't come. So when I go away, I'm going to send the help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and take up residence inside of you. So you see, if you wanted to hear Jesus, you had to be in the right place at the right time because he was one person in the flesh. What Jesus was saying was, right now, you've got to be in the right place at the right time to experience me. But when I go to the Father and send the Spirit, the right place and the right time is every time and every place. Because wherever you go, you take the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, if you go back into the Old Testament, uh, the presence of God dwelled in a, a, a particular place. A tabernacle, a tent was built, then a temple and so on. But there was a place and it ended up being in Jerusalem and people would have to travel to Jerusalem to get near the presence of God. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, it says that two of the gospel writers mentioned that a temple veil, the curtain was torn in two. In other words, that presence of God that was contained behind the walls of that temple is now no longer contained in a place. That curtain has been torn and the presence of God is no longer contained in a place. It's now contained in a people, a people called the church. You have the presence of God in your life if you have surrendered your life to Jesus. If you have accepted God, if you have, have surrendered yourself, accepted that the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was for you personally, if you've accepted that, surrendered your life over to him, then the Bible teaches us that you are filled with the Spirit of God. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, it says that if you think you don't have the Spirit of God, then you can't be God's. Because you can't be God's without having the Spirit. Whether you speak in tongues, whether you roll around on the floor, whether you pray for the sick, whether you see all these things, if you don't belong to Jesus, you don't have the Spirit. If you belong to Jesus, you have the Spirit. You can't separate the two. This is what Romans chapter 8 teaches us. And so I had some time to spend to unpack some of this stuff with these guys. On the second day, on the second day, um, one of the school leaders came to me and said, what are you feeling to share this morning? When they get me up there, they know that I'm not a, I'm not a dot point teacher. You would know that, those of you that hang around the church long enough. I'm not a precept upon precept, point by point. It's not my gift. I've tried it before and people wanted to vomit. And it was terrible. So I, I just have surrendered to God and gone, God, I'm not a teacher like that. So I'm not even going to stand up here on a Sunday and try to be this great teacher because I'm not. I, I, I preach, I, I feel like the Lord impresses things on me. I open my mouth, I start speaking, and I feel like at the end of it, I always, you ask Jackie, I go home and I say to Jackie, did that make sense, what I was saying today? Because I don't know, I just get on a bit of a flow. It's like that river just starts coming out, and I just want to talk, you know? And so they come up to me and they said, okay, look, what are you going to touch on today? Because they give me a whole list of criteria. Youth of the Mission is a registered training organisation. As far as the Australian government goes, it's like a TAFE college now. They're set up that way. So they give their teachers curriculums and things you have to follow. And, and I got it and I looked at it and I said, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> I'm trying. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? I feel like God wants us to make room for the Holy Spirit to do something. For us to activate some things. For us to begin to walk in some things. You know, the Holy Spirit was never given to us to be a doctrine that we taught. We read about the Spirit of God. We read about the Holy Spirit. John 14, John 16, Jesus teaches a lot about the Holy Spirit. A couple of things stand out. Number one, he never says, he never calls the Holy Spirit or refers to the Holy Spirit as some, some force. The Holy Spirit is always referred to as a person. He, when he comes, the Spirit of truth. The comforter, when he comes. He never ever gives us room to think that the Holy Spirit is some impersonable force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. That God sends to indwell believers. 
So we need to understand that. We need to understand that we carry around with us the person of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you go, we carry him around. And I said to them, I feel like God wants us to make room for him to move because the Spirit of God is not a doctrine to be taught. The Holy Spirit is a person to experience. He's a person to get to know. And like any person, he likes to speak. He likes to do things. He listens. Read the Bible. He has human attributes. He has a will, mind, emotions. The Bible teaches this. This is who the Spirit is. So I said, I want to make some space here for the Holy Spirit to move. And so we did. We got back next session. And what happened for the next three hours was amazing. Students began to get up in front of the group and began to talk about their pain that they never talked about before. You know, there's something beautiful uh, about vulnerability. When a person's vulnerable in front of you and they bear their soul and they open their heart up to you. And I'm always privileged when I'm in environments like that. But this was like a whole new level. I hadn't experienced something like this in, in probably 20 years. And they started to get up one by one. And as they got up, they began to talk about issues they were struggling with. These, these are Christians who are in missionary training and they're struggling with same-sex attraction issues. These are uh, people standing up going, you know, I've been physically handled in ways that no person should be handled. And I've never told anybody this, but it was my own family members, people that were supposed to be closest to me, people that were supposed to support me and love me. One girl, beautiful girl, and I, I, I hope to get her here one day to share her story. Lovely girl. Covered in tattoos. The first person I noticed from here down, literally tattered everywhere. Tattoos, all, not that I've got a problem with that, I've got some myself, but there were obviously some that she wasn't glad she got because they were just big black marks that she'd blacked out from when she got saved. And she was a dancer in nightclubs and uh, all kinds of stuff on that side of, of the fence. And she stood up and she said to the girls, she said, I'm, I want to repent to all the girls in the school here because she said, I've been angry at you, I've been mad at you, and I'm rude to you. She said, I'm constantly rude to you. But she said, the reason is this, I've never had a relationship with a female that wasn't a physical one. I don't know how to have one. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to have a, a normal, healthy relationship with another woman that's just normal, platonic. I, 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 I don't know how to do that. And one by one, they got up and they began to share their stories and they were, they were weeping. And the Holy Spirit was moving upon these people and, and they were getting things off their chest. And, you know, every time they'd get up and they would say, you know, I, 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 I struggle with this, you know. Uh, the, the, the guy that got up and started talking about his same-sex attraction when he was finished, the biggest, toughest, manly, manly guy there, that, that they told me later on that he was like a brick wall, stone-like, wouldn't, wouldn't show any emotion and didn't care would sit in lectures and would just say, oh, that's crap to speakers and everything like that. Pardon my, my French there, but he would just give it to them. All of a sudden, he starts to get water in his face, a bit like Ruth. And he walks up to this guy and puts his arms around him, hugs him. And right in that moment, I thought, man, that's God. That's, that's a tangible expression of what the invisible God is doing to you right now when you bring your stuff to him, when you... Open up your heart to him. When you allow him to come into those places of hurt, those places of disappointment, those places in your life. You see, this is the thing. The Holy Spirit is there for us to encounter. God is not a theory and a doctrine that's out there that we need to fill our heads with a bunch of knowledge through a whole bunch of books. And the more stuff we know about God, the closer we'll grow to him. We grow closer to God when we respond to him, when we open ourselves up to him and we allow him to do the things that he wants to do in our lives. And you know what? By the end of that time, 
Right at the end of it, I, I, I got up and I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, everyone that came forward, I want you to stand. And I said to the others, I just want you to wait on, we're just going to wait on God for two minutes. And I want you to ask God, the Spirit of God, where do I go and who do I pray for? And after a couple of minutes, everybody just got up and they started walking around and laying hands and praying for one another. And you know what? While I was standing there watching that, here's what I thought. And I told them the next morning, I said, you remember what happened yesterday? I said, what happened yesterday? I said, that was church. That was church. That was church. Meeting in a hall on a Sunday morning, having a few songs, some announcements, and me stand up here and talk to you, this is a meeting. This is a meeting. It's not so much church per se when we look at, at church, and I think the way God wants church to be. Church is the interaction of, of God's people with one another, whereby we experience God through each other, through love, through grace, through all that sort of stuff that we... You know, when somebody comes to me and says, I've done you wrong, I apologise, and I say to them, I forgive you and embrace them, that shows them a physical expression of what an invisible God does when you come to him with your stuff. It's how God moves. But what struck me was this. I couldn't help but think, as I drove home, we live in a broken, broken world. We live in such a broken world. And this is a bunch of people in a training school. These are people that have been sent out from their churches. These are people that were brought up with, with, with God as a part of their background and so on, a lot of them. Some of them didn't, but some of them do. A lot of them were brought up in Christian homes. And here we are, and we're so broken. And you know what? That's okay. It's actually okay. Because I'll guarantee this room is full of... We've got a lot, a lot more brokenness in this room than what we're probably prepared to let out. And that's okay, that's, that's normal too because I don't just bear myself to everybody and anybody. But the point is this, God uses broken people to touch and heal other broken people. It's what he does. We, we, we're up at the shed and we're doing work up at the shed there and I was getting ready to go up to the shed and what I did is I got my little cane basket out and I filled it with some tools. I haven't got a bunch of tools but I grabbed a whole heap of tools and I put them in a cane basket along with my really sexy overalls and my boots and I took them up to the building and I put them down and I got to and I'm up there and I'm, I'm opening tins and I've got hammers and jazz like that but when I have a look at all the tools you know what? They're all rusted. They're all chipped. They're all broken. I haven't got any tools. That a, a tradesman would look at my tools and go, are you kidding? He wouldn't touch them with a 40-foot pole. But they're my tools, and as broken and as wrecked and as twisted and bent and rusted as they are, you know what, I still use them, and they still can do things, and they still do things quite well. So I don't have to wait till I've got perfect tools, or they're all polished up and clean. You know, I just grab the tools as they are and start using them, and it's a great picture of the church. It's, it's God uses broken, messy people to bring healing to broken, messy people. It's what he does. None of us have made it. None of us are there yet. But the Holy Spirit inside of us is the one that's perfect. The Holy Spirit inside of us is the one that's all together. The Spirit of God inside of us is the one that's got the knowledge, the wisdom, the skills, the qualities, the attributes, and he's just itching for us to accept the fact that he's here, ready to go. He wants to use us to bring healing to the world around us. He wants to use us to bring healing to broken-hearted people. He wants to use us in our community to bring an expression of who God is to people that don't know God. It's an opportunity that he gives to us. But it starts for us by acknowledging, you know what? It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's God who wants to live his life through me. 
You know, we sing songs like this morning, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. You know what surrender is for the Christian? Surrender for the Christian is about acknowledging that the Spirit of God is inside of me and I want to lay down more and more and more of my life and give him more and more and more control to live the life of God through me. Surrender is not about uh, you know, just giving up for the sake of giving up. It's giving over. It's no longer me that's in complete control now. I've got a plan and a purpose for my life, but as I surrender more to God, I go, you know what, I'm prepared to lay that down and surrender myself, which means I'll walk in your purpose and your plan that you have for my life. That's what surrender's about. It's about handing more and more control of myself over to God. See, the more control God has of my life, the more he can do through me. The more control I've got of my life, well, I'll end up exactly where I am. God's the one that has great plans and great purposes and so on, but I need to surrender myself to him in order to get to that place where he wants me to be. The problem is most of us, we don't learn how to surrender. We don't surrender. The first problem is we don't actually believe we have the spirit of God inside of us. We don't live like it. Presence is everything. Presence is everything. You've got this wild-eyed dude called Peter, who's a fisherman, comes along, meets Jesus, follows Jesus, goes hardcore with Jesus. Jesus is in the garden. He's already told him, I'm going to get taken away and you're going to scatter. Peter says, no, I won't, no, I won't. I can't rock my boat on Peter. I'm the man. They come to take Jesus away and the Bible says that Peter draws a sword and cuts off one of the servants' ears. You read that story? He pulls the sword out and he cuts off his ears. A few hours later, a little servant girl says, you're one of them, aren't you? And he denies it to the hilt. I don't even know the dude. What happened? Presence changed. It's amazing what he could do when he had the presence of Jesus right next to him. It's amazing how strong he was when he had Jesus physically with him. It's amazing how courageous he was when he knew he had Jesus with him. And then when Jesus was taken away, it all went. Presence is everything. I wonder how we would live if we actually believe that you have inside of you right now the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells. That's what the Bible teaches. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal flesh. What if we actually believe that? What would our lives look like? What if we woke up in the morning and instead of going onto Twitter, Facebook or flicking on the news or whatever, the first thing we did was we got all our attention, our energy, our focus, our mind, our will, emotions, and we went, first of all, God, I want to say thank you for being inside of me today. Holy Spirit, you want to do some things today? Speak to me, lead me, guide me, Take me, show me. You're the one I'm going to focus on first thing. What about when we went to bed at night instead of checking out social media or doing all the other things, instead of listening to other people's opinions? What if the last thing we did was we laid down, we said, before I sleep tonight, God, here's what I'm going to do. Because during the day, my focus goes everywhere. So I'm going to bring my focus together, Lord, before I sleep tonight. I want to say, thank you, God. You are with me. The Spirit of God is inside me. While I lay down here tonight, I know you've got things you want to tell me. Speak to me. My ears are open. What if we lived with our focus on that? How different would your TV viewing be if Jesus himself was sitting on the lounge with you? I mean, let's think about it. You can be driving down the highway today on your way home, look down, you, you'll be driving along, and you'll see this little car with a blue and a red light, and all of a sudden you look at your speedo, you're doing 80, don't you ever do this, You'll be doing 80 in a 60 zone. You know what happens? It's amazing. 
Up until that point when you noticed the presence of that car, you had no control. I'm just driving, we're getting faster, faster. As soon as I see them lights, I've got all self-control. Oh, look, bring it down. It's amazing what the presence of a policeman will do to you. It's amazing how the presence of a policeman can alter your actions. Huh? It's amazing. Anyone seen, um, what was that show, Married at um, First Sight? Now, we didn't watch it all, but I did happen to uh, follow the, the trail of one particular uh, episode where, uh, excuse me, apparently all the guys got together and the girls weren't there. And they were just talking blokey, 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 bloke, bloke, bloke stuff. You know? Bagging her. Who wants to, you know, you can, who's the best looking woman? And, who's her, and, and it's like, dude, you're married. You're married. And they're talking about swapping all kinds of things. Well, guess what? One of the dudes went home and told his, his wife. And she told all the other ladies. And then when they got together, the ladies are all in a big group, and one of the ladies goes, anyone, what happened at the night the other night? And it was amazing. Oh, nothing. No, it was good. No, nothing. It's amazing what the presence of the ladies, how it changed the way they talked. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing that the presence of your partner might change the way you talk. People that struggle with images on television and internet. Would you struggle so much if your mother or your father or your pastor was sitting there with you looking at the screen? Or would you find the resilience and the power and the control necessary to not go to that website or not turn on that channel or to quickly change that channel? We know this because it happens in the natural all the time. Presence is power. Presence is power. And the presence of the right person at the right place at the right time in your life can change you. The tough guy at the bar, leaning on the bar with his beer, chatting up the beautiful blonde brunette, whatever. How you going, baby? How are you? Let me introduce you to Des and Troy. And together they destroy. Can't help himself. I had a couple of beers. I'm just feeling loose. I'm into it. And he's churning and having a go. And then out of the corner of his eye, he notices her boyfriend walks out of the toilet. Built like a brick toilet. 12 foot tall. Walks over and it's amazing. All of a sudden he gets self-control. Oh, anyway, nice chatting to you. And off he goes. Isn't it amazing what presence will do for you? Presence changes everything. What would we be like if we actually believed that the very presence of God lived inside of us? How would you confront the issues of your heart? How would you handle the temptations and the trials of life? What would your world look like? You see, here's the thing. The people that turned the world upside down which really was, they turned the world right side up in the book of Acts. These people who've turned the world, they've come here too. That's what they declared when the disciples went into the cities. They did that not because they had a head full of Bible knowledge. They 
They did that because they had the presence of God. They had the presence of God. I'm not bagging Bible knowledge, get it. But what I'm saying is they weren't dependent on stuff they'd studied in a book. They were living, breathing, walking with the very presence of God on a daily basis. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. That same spirit that was upon Peter, the same spirit that was upon Paul, the same spirit is the same one that dwells inside you and dwells inside me right now in 2018 here in Ganelaba. That's the reality. If we are believers and we believe this book, then we can't escape that reality. And I think if we really believe that and we embrace that, how different would our own lives be? Not only that, how different, how different would our communities and our cities and our nations be if all of God's people embraced that, not as a theory, not as a doctrine, but we embraced it as a living, actual reality, that you are filled with power right now by the very Spirit of God. Presence makes a difference. Presence means everything. I want to ask you a question, and we'll finish with this. Who's the God that you're believing in right now? Is he a distant God up in heaven looking down on you? Who's just given you a book of rules and said, study this, learn the do's, learn the don'ts, don't do the don'ts, do the do's. And every now and then I'll look over the clouds of heaven, I'll check on you. And I'll see how you're going. And by the way, go into all the world and tell them I've got a rule book. And if they'll follow my rules, is that the God we serve? Is he a God that's looking down upon us from the heavens above? Or is he a present God living in you and living through you? See, one of the most profound books of the Bible, I believe, is Acts 1.1. Never hear people preaching on it and you won't see a book written on it. But it's amazing. Luke is writing a history of the first 30 years of the church. The book of Acts is not doctrine, it's history. In the very first verse, he says this. He says, O excellent Theophilus, which is like, O great John Smith. That's just the person's name. O excellent Theophilus, the former account I made, which was the book of Luke. O John Smith, the former account I made of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That word, I love that word. Look at that. That is so incredibly profound. It doesn't say all that Jesus did and taught, full stop, over. He's not doing anything anymore. Don't say that. He says, I gave you an account of what Jesus began to do. What I'm going to write now called the book of Acts is a continued story of what Jesus is continuing to do and continuing to teach. But guess what? Jesus Christ isn't there in bodily form. But you and me are. We're there. The church is there. We live in a broken world. We live in a hurt and a lost world. And guess what? We're not going to change this world by simply filling our head with Bible knowledge and thinking the more we know, the better we'll be. It doesn't work like that. We have been giving the life-breathing, life-giving spirit of God. Our faith is living and it's active and it's real. And we are able to experience God in our own worlds. And I'm not talking about hanging off chandeliers and, 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 and you know, all that sort of crazy stuff. Although if that happens, praise God, it's up to him. But what I'm talking about is in our own world, we can walk with God. We can be used by God as an instrument to bring healing, wholeness, uh, acceptance, love, grace to others. At the same time, God, through his spirit, can bring healing, wholeness, grace, love to us. That's the excitement of the Christian faith. We've got a choice to make. We either live by a set of rules in a rule book or we live by walking by the Spirit of God. 
listening to that spirit on the inside of us, cultivating a relationship with God, whereby every day we're expecting him to lead, to speak, and to take us somewhere. And we go with him. Let me tell you something. I've, I've lived on both sides of the ledger. This side over here, walking daily with God, is so much more exciting. Now I understand what Jesus meant when he said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. Over this side here, where you're just living by a rule book and doing all that stuff, it's dead, it's boring. The Christian religion has as much power as the Islamic religion, the Hindu religion, the Buddhist religion. Religion is dead. Religion will kill you, it'll bind you up. We were never called to have another religion. Jesus did not hang on a cross to give the world another religion. There were enough religions in his time, he didn't need to do that. But he came and he said, no, 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 this is what God looks like. God wants relationship with you. God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you. You can encounter God. You can expect God to be interested in your life. You can expect God to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you, to comfort you. You can expect God to have a future and a plan and a hope for you and you can expect him to, to show that to you and you can expect him to walk you to that place. Amen? That's the God we have. I want to challenge you this week. For the next seven days, before you go to bed, I want you to, to say this to yourself. Why do we say it? Well, because we lose focus. It's not about chanting like it's a magical spell. It's about, I'm speaking to myself, like Psalm 103, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name. What's he saying? He's speaking to himself, saying, You've lost focus, David. You've lost focus on how good God is. You've lost focus. You got caught up in all the problems and the troubles. So he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not his benefits. Heals your sicknesses. Kills you. Blah, blah, blah. He's speaking to himself saying, you've lost focus, David. And we should still be doing that today. I've lost focus, Alan. Alan, you've lost focus. Hang on a second. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to sit there and before I I lay in my bed, I'm going to look up and I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to say, God, thank you that you are in me right now. We sung it this morning. doesn't matter how I feel. doesn't matter what I think. God, you are in me and you are with me right now. Your presence is here. That changes everything. And God, I'm asking you to speak to me tonight. I'm asking you to give me visions, give me dreams, lead me. Show me my future. Show me my value, my purpose. Show me the plan you have. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to do the same thing. Before I engage my brain or with anything else, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go, you know what, first of all, first and foremost, Lord, I want to thank you that you're with me today, that by the Spirit of God, you are living inside of me today and that you have plans and purpose. You know what? God has a to-do list. And Lord, you have a to-do list today and you want to use my body to achieve that. You want to use my mouth to pass on a few messages today. I want to use my hands to love and bless a few people today. Lord, I just want to bring my attention, my focus to you first because I know between the minute my feet hit the floor and the minute they come back off the floor at night, I know the world and the devil and circumstances and life will challenge for my focus. And you know what? I'm humble enough to admit they'll win. A lot of times they win. But I have these reference points where I can bring my focus back. And hopefully one day I wake up and I get through that and I realize, you know what? I barely lost focus today. Praise God. Thank you. And the next day, hopefully it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. Because I'll guarantee that group of young kids that I stood in the room with last week and listened to their stories, all I kept thinking was, you know what? I'll bet you outside here there are thousands of stories just like that. And I'm not smart enough to solve them problems. But praise God, the Holy Spirit has the power, the wisdom, and the ability to use me to bring life to these people. Amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for, uh, for who you are today, God, that you are not a theory, philosophy, a doctrine. 
God, get it into our spirits. God, get it into our hearts that every day, 24-7, we serve a living, resurrected God. Father, some of us feel like we have the spirit inside of us. God, I'm sure there are people here and you're still wondering, you're still questioning. And, and you've got all kinds of reasons. Lord, I believe if we belong to you, we have the spirit. Romans teaches us that. Father, for those who are still unsettled on the issue of whether I have the spirit of God, Father, I pray this week, settle the issue for them, God. Lord, give them the courage to just step out in faith and believe. Stop waiting for feelings. Stop waiting for a thousand other confirmations, but just trust. This is what you said, God said, that's how it is. And Father, for, for those of us that, that believe and know, Father, I pray, challenge us, stir us up to go to that next place. Why do we have the very Spirit of God inside? God, why would you do such a wonderful thing and send your Spirit to live inside of us? There's a purpose and there's a reason, God. And I pray you'd shake us up and begin to show us that reason, that purpose. It's not just to give us goosebumps or, or hairs go up on the back of our neck, God. It's, it's because you love the world around us and you love us and you want to do things in us and you want to do things through us, Lord. So challenge us, God. Shake us up, Father, and get us out there doing the things of God in our community. And Lord, I pray for each of us here, God, over the next seven days. Give every one of us an opportunity to tell somebody that does not know you who you are and how wonderful you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless, guys. Listen, I, 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 I just feel like we'd like to pray for a few people today. No pressure. Uh, but if you'd like prayer this morning, I just ask, just come up, come forward, myself and, and Jackie would love to, to pray for you. Uh, other than that, um, guys, feel free to... Um, Grab some more morning tea and finish up the stuff up there. We're going to go up to the shed. We're going to open it up. So if you'd like to come on up in about half an hour and have a look at what's going on up there. Other than that, have a fantastic week. Go and change the world. Believe you can.